Hi, this is Bishop Tom Daly, the seventh bishop of the Diocese of Spokane. Joining me on uh, the Bishop's Radio Show is Father Darren Connell. He is the rector of Our Lady of Lords Cathedral and the Vicar General of our diocese. Hi, everyone. Father Pat Kirst, <laughs> pastor of St. Mary in the Spokane Valley and the Vicar for Priests. And Father Brian Mee. Father Brian Mee is the seventh pastor of St. Peter's here in Spokane and currently the vicar of finance in the Diocese of Spokane. At this show, we like to uh, talk about the season of Lent, that um, opportunity we have in this six-week period of a springtime, as the Lent word means, uh, deepening of our faith through traditional acts of charity, penance, and fasting. For those of you who've been raised Catholics all your life, you know that there was a time probably maybe in your earlier years, depending upon your age, where uh, Lent had a very almost stern, somber uh, feeling to it. It's not to say that today, in a kinder, gentler period, that's not present. I was talking to one of the Poor Claire sisters where we uh, tape our show, and Sister was saying that she remembers um, before the emphasis not so much on charitable acts but of giving up. And that's still the case, but maybe we've— um, Maybe we've not always explained why in Lent we should do something for others, something positive, something charitable, uh, in addition to our acts of mortification or sacrifice. So maybe we'll begin um, by asking uh, the vicars, uh, who are priests and pastors, um, what uh, what's uh, going on in your life, spiritual life, during Lent? What are you focusing on in those traditional acts of charity, uh, penance, and fasting? I'm going to talk to, with the the most humble of all the vicars, Father Pat Kirst. Pat, uh, what about you? What's going on, uh, Lent? What have you decided to give to the Lord in this time to prepare yourself? This Lent, I uh, follow my pattern of not really focusing on giving up something for the, the six weeks, but rather, what am I going to add to my life? And I usually try to think of that in terms of uh, some more uh, dedicated prayer, uh, course as as we're taping this we're the third day into lent and what i had uh, planned on doing has already been blown up that wasn't my fault uh, i the time i'd set aside to do that i got trumped by someone who walked through the door and wanted to uh, visit so that took me through that time but anyway that's still my uh, plan for the for lent is to really try to take that special time with the lord before the blessed sacrament and and uh, beyond my regular pattern of prayer to add that to it and uh, so that's yeah. what i hope to do so. good uh, Father Connell, how about... Uh, uh, I'm, yeah. I tend to be more traditional, frankly, about Lent mm -hmm. in terms of giving up and sacrificing. And so one of the things I've... I guess the principal thing I've decided is that God wants me to do is to give up doing any work for you during these uh, 40 days. So you obviously... Oh, you've already failed. During Advent going? also. So. Well, okay, Advent and the rest of the year. So, No, um, I, I do think that uh, there is some, there is something important about uh, um, the sacrificial acts that we engage in, abstaining from... From meat and 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 giving up things uh, that cause a little pain and discomfort in our lives, but that 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 pain and that discomfort is not an end in of itself. It's actually a means to an end that points us to, you know, when our stomachs are growling or where you're we're having a craving for chocolates that we're not going to uh, fulfill. That we think about uh, the love that the Lord showed from the cross, and that any suffering that we engage in pales into comparison to His, motivated by love, and that from that I'm called to give 
uh, and to demonstrate some act of sacrificial love for other people uh, through charity and, 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 and reaching out to others. So I'm more of a, a both-and person rather than an either-or person. So you've always been inclusive, and I know Thank that you're you. the wind beneath Father Me's wings. <laughs> uh, Father, Father Me, yes. Now I know that you're going to probably do something that you'll try to outdo all of us. Well, which, I'm, uh, I am not a both and person. Yeah. I, I'm just an or person. Yes. And uh, mm-hmm. but coming from Irish uh, heritage, as Father Connell does, I'm much more into the pain and the suffering. At a boy. <laughs> Add a boy, causing but, it for others. No, I, but I do want. I want to put in a plug for fasting because uh, these people who fasting it goes all the way back. I mean, to the earliest times of the church. It's the whole idea of Christ fasted in the desert uh, for forty days. Moses fasted on Mount Sinai for forty days before receiving the commandments. Um, so all that that entire idea of fasting is very important. And um, it was either Father Connell or St. Ambrose, I can't remember which. Who was it insightful? <laughs> yes, you're right. It, it was St. Ambrose. Oh, <laughs> Saint was, it, was it plagiarized? St. Yeah. Ambrose. Okay. And, and speaking of fasting, of course, fasting, it's not just in itself, but he said there's so many benefits from fasting. Uh, first of all, that fasting is the best spice that you can give to food because after fasting for a while, anything you taste is good. So, Mm. I mean, it it gives you an appreciation for those gifts, the food God gives us on earth. Um, Fasting as well, he says it does. uh, It connects us with those who fast not from choice, but because they are poor or hungry. And so that we become one with them, becoming one with them, only then can you actually begin to do good works and assist them. So for those of you who gave up fasting for Lent, um, I would say reconsider. Embrace it. <laughs> Embrace it. Let it be part do of you. Uh, by the way, to... I, by the, I do want to say that I, I do not agree with the hebdomadarians um, that here we I don't, go. I don't know. Here we go. <laughs> that was a heresy <laughs> that we're on. Love dropping your big words. <laughs> that was a heresy they, in the seventeenth century. Would fast. No, this was goes back to the third century. Okay. They would fast. This was in the Church of Jerusalem, uh, from after the Eucharist on Sunday until the following Saturday. And uh, so I would not recommend that. But they had a vigil mass back then? No, I think no, you're making this have, up because I, I read this in the bulletin from St. Procopius Parish in suburban <laughs> Cleveland. Um, they closed that parish down. They the did, way. but please, okay, easy. Yes, uh, one of our co-producers on the show, I think that's his title. He's given himself Mitchell, who's the um, spoke about a monastery in Germany uh, where they pope. They had asked the pope for a dispensation, and they were to fast only living on beer. Uh, somehow, did you know about that? When I know you were a Benedictine monk for 17, 16 years uh, outside Düsseldorf, but um, do you know anything about that? <laughs> about beer? Oh, I know quite a bit about <laughs> no, beer, yes. About that special fast because No, no, else... I wish I had. I'm kind of... We, what, did, we didn't have that at Mount Angel, unfortunately. One of our co-writers, Hillary Hammett, we spoke about um, how in our culture, the... Uh, abstaining of meat on Friday so often in the health kick in the, in the West that uh, meat is not as much a sacrifice as it might be if we were in um, Nebraska or other cattle areas of our nation, Montana. Uh, what are your thoughts on, on substituting, of course, abstaining from meat, but also what might someone do to 
continue that spirit of uh, abstinence for for a food product. Not eat meat. Well, that's that's <laughs> what we're from meat. that's what we're talking <laughs> no, about. But uh, well, I, I'm for that. See, because I think one of the things is when we think, well, what can we do in place of that? Many of us we have the good intention of finding something else to do and maybe something positive to do, but we never quite get there. Mm-hmm. So we actually need some things that are just so clear and established for us that they are kind of the hooks on which we can hang other good works and other things to do. But once we say, well, no, don't worry about giving up meat, do do something else, the problem with that is, um, I don't want to be a pessimist, but many of us... Don't do it. Let me speak for myself. I probably wouldn't do something else. Well, you've always been a laxist, and with yes. that, we're going to take a little break now. <laughs> Thank you. A holy angel at my side, go to church for me. Kneel in my place at Holy Mass, where I desire to be. At offertory in my stead, take all that I am and own, and place it as a sacrifice upon the altar throne. At Holy Consecration's bell, adore with Sarah's love, my Jesus hidden in the host, come down from heaven above. And when the priest communion takes, O bring my Lord to me, that his sweet heart may rest on mine and I his temple be. Amen. The question was raised about for people who um, don't eat meat and in the health conscious uh, section of the country in which we live, there's probably a number of people who uh, prefer uh, fish or even are vegetarians. Does that mean that um, they don't really benefit from the graces of fasting? Now, Father uh, Me was explaining uh, that he believes... uh, a more traditional approach, which I would agree with, uh, is is beneficial. But Father Connell, what about your thoughts? Uh, well, let me let me just uh, as rector of our cathedral. Thank you for that. Um, I, I just want to kind of reinforce what Father Me said. I I don't often uh, support his him. ideas or agree with him, but I'm I'm going to do. By so. the way, I want to change my um, <laughs> opinion <laughs> opinion on this. Yeah. So <laughs> what he, the point you're making is that is that one of the problems with saying uh, simply. <clears throat> substitute another penance for giving up of meat uh, is that our human nature is such that we simply just don't do it. We forget it. We're not, there's no ill will or malice. And I think the best example of that in the United States is all of the Fridays outside of Lent uh, that uh, in the United States, and I, I'll bet there's not, I'll bet 90% of Catholics don't know this, that the fa- that the law of abstinence didn't change in the sense that it just disappeared what happened after the Second Vatican Council is that Catholics were still to abstain from meat uh, on Fridays, um, but if they didn't, they were to substitute some other penance for that. But that was never changed. And uh, I know in my own parish, I, I talked about that last year, and I had people kind of up in arms, what are you doing, taking us back to pre-Vatican II and all that? And I said, no, it, it, it was that was the law after the Second Vatican Council. And I think it just goes to show that... that uh, when we say, well, just go ahead and substitute a, some penance for giving up meat, that frankly, it just doesn't happen, and then and then begins to fall out of practice, uh, which is why Bishop Daly, in his uh, offering of the dispensation for abstinence from meat on St. Patrick's this year here in the diocese, has asked Catholics to to do some other penance. So, Father Me, I think you would say that 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 should be even more specific than that. Uh, perhaps pray a rosary or... Or, or, or attend Mass. Or to Mass that day. Or go to yeah. Mass that yeah. day uh, to give people something v- very specific to do. Um, because the reality is, I, I don't think we... I, I know I, I forget to substitute some other penance uh, on Fridays outside of Lent. Uh, 
Well, maybe it might be a, a good suggestion is one of the uh, things that I think is important is to um, uh, fast in addition to uh, meat or, as, as has been said, if you're used to having a glass of wine uh, with, uh, with your meal, uh, that you fast on the Fridays from that. Uh, because the benefits of fasting, as, as Father Me explained uh, from the rich history of our church and based in Scripture and in the life of, of Jesus— the benefits and graces are tremendous. One uh, area I think that would be uh, very beneficial is to fast from noise and distraction on Fridays. Uh, during um, the, the miles I have to drive, this is a 24,000 What did you mile. say I was tapping on my cell phone? <laughs> yes, yes, thank you. I, I, please. I'm sorry, I missed that. Yeah. 24,000 miles, square miles is our diocese. Not as much as the Diocese of Helena, which is 55,000. Uh, but there's a lot of driving. And... Um, in Lent, I started this a few years back uh, when I was uh, in, the, in the high school, is not to listen to music in the car, the XM radio. I found that uh, I continue that on the Fridays of the year, and I can tell that that's difficult. During Lent, it starts out a challenge. But I know that so often people, I'm just looking at the, uh, Father Chris doesn't have his phone in front of him. Uh, he's more contemplative. Father Me, you were in a monastery, and I noticed that you have two cell phones have in two front of you. Cell phones. Yes, and Father Connell is now tapping away a message, ordering a lunch uh, for himself at uh, Husky's House meat, of a, an all meat of, pizza, of, of fish tacos. Um, but it is very good that we not lose that that sense of a disciplined response to to grow. What about charity? Wait, I, wait, wait! I want yes. to go back to fasting for yes, a moment. Yes, okay. Because you know, I wonder how many. Uh, of our parishioners, certainly at St. Peter's they do, but I wonder about St. Mary's or the cathedral. Okay, here we go. <laughs> the the communion fast, I mean, how many of us Absolutely. really recall that we're to be fasting? One hour. One hour. I know, I see it's almost too short. They should have kept it at three, but I, I won't quibble at this point. But, you know, because how many keep that one-hour fast? And to your point about silence as well, uh, it was either Father Kirst or, Fa- or St. Ambrose of Milan. Or uh, Father Connell. Or Father Connell. Who brought up, Depending on how Brought up the is. good point of, you know, just as we fast before communion so that when we receive communion, all of a sudden it, you know, physically as well, why it's the first food we've tasted in his day. You know, I mean, that was the first food that you taste and, and it have all the more impact on us. Just as if we fast from noise... Uh, and speaking, why then in the first thing we hear is uh, the uh, scripture that is read, why, what an impact that leaves on us. So, I mean, again, those ideas of fasting, and broader than just um, fasting from, from meat or whatever, uh, it's, a, it's a wonderful spiritual. I, I think that's a very important point because as we prepare ourselves for Mass— uh, sometimes uh, there is a lot of noise in the church. Not people coming in and hopefully genuflecting, but it's, I think you used the phrase, uh, Father Me, a hootenanny, uh, which I know was very popular in Spokane. In, well, uh, in your day it was. In your day, yes. <laughs> in my day. When you were a backup with the, the, the Beatles, which some of you may know of, and probably less the monkeys, that <laughs> Father uh, Chris is accused, uh, uh, Father Me, of being to Clarkson. Okay. Yeah, thank you very much. Um, but what about charity? Here we are in the Bishop's Appeal, the annual appeal. There are ways that we can be generous. The CRS has the Rice Bowl, I think, and that's an opportunity. Our kids in our Catholic schools often uh, have opportunities to to give of money. And I think that 
letting these externals form the internal, the hearts, because so often is the case, and we hear in the Gospels, Jesus knowing what they were thinking in their hearts. That's a great phrase, because all of these acts of penance, of charity, and of fasting are meant for conversion of heart. Conversion, which uh, Father Me is probably not aware of, that it means returning, returning to God, not just change, returning. It's from the French origin of the word. Um, <laughs> so, um, can you say something about charity? How are how are how's charity working in your parishes? How are how are together with the uh, the priests, the bishop, uh, the people of God? How do we in this Lenten season really focus also on charity? There's so many people who need our assistance. Can any examples from your parish? Or do I have to mandate charity? <laughs> <laughs> Awfully quiet here. All of a sudden, silent. let's go back to fasting. No, well, oh, there's, well, go ahead. well it, we we have our at the cathedral. We have our 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 standard uh, uh, acts of charity in terms of helping the poor. We we have each uh, Wednesday we have a group of parishioners show up at, at uh, early in the morning, five thirty six in the morning, and make um, sandwiches that we distribute throughout the week. We give out twenty thousand sandwiches a year, and interestingly enough, we. Uh, we uh, when I got to the cathedral on on Fridays in Lent, they were giving out uh, bologna sandwiches, and um, I suggested that we go to cheese sandwiches. Um, and people said, "Well, they're not Catholic," and I said, "Well, not everyone's Catholic." And I said, "But but we are." And uh, going back to the idea of abstaining, um, not only do we you know engage in that act of charity, but we also say something about who we are in our family, and this is what we do as a family, which again is another benefit from 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 abstaining from meat. That uh, it creates a solidarity in the Catholic family. It kind of tells people and ourselves mm-hmm. who we are. I remember reading last week in the newspaper. I don't know if I can I say the grocery store on on the air. Maybe I shouldn't, but there was a grocery store, um, and it had Lenten specials, and it had all the the different fishes that they had, and tuna fish and shrimp and things. Um, uh, Cod. Cod, Pacific, no Pacific cod. The Atlantic Mm. cod uh, was not good this time of the year. Um, Fall River, and I, I said, wow. I mean, you know, that's for us, really. That's for us as Catholics, and and it helps give us some identity as a family and a sense of communion. So yes, yes, we. That's important for that solidarity, but from that also flows a sense of charity in which we share that with other people. I think one of the points that has to always be in the forefront with us is that these are not ends in themselves. They are a means to a greater sense of holiness. In the traditional uh, lives of the saints, uh, again, of Christ himself, that they draw us into the rich mystery of how we're to grow in holiness. And uh, I think our Catholic people, with much of the confusion that's happened, uh, I know I was in the parish when I was first ordained and uh, desserts were cut from the uh, from the menu. Uh, the housekeeper uh, said it, uh, on Thursday following Ash Wednesday there will be no desserts. And the other associates said, well, uh, I'm not into giving up things. I'm into doing things. Um, and so you so, had him make the desserts. No, he uh, <laughs> actually I talked to the Monsignor and we had him transferred uh, that weekend <laughs> uh, to a parish in Alcatraz, which is a little... Uh, just a you know type of ministry. bed and breakfast bed and breakfast. <laughs> yeah. Father Connell had mentioned that there was some confusion uh, after the Second Vatican Council when it came to the Fridays, and um, I know Father Kirst will kind of relate a story from his own parish and some of the questions he's been asked by parishioners. But what about the um, the kind of the history of Lent? Uh, it wasn't prepackaged and ready to go following the Ascension. 
So there is, um, I know uh, Father Mee had uh, in his studies in sacramental theology. How about a little history? I know that it had, there's, uh, Lyon, France, plays significantly in the development, but uh, let's go a little bit back to the uh, Council of Nicaea and the development of... of well, funny funny you should mention the Council yeah. of Nicaea, Bishop. Uh, in 325, as you recall. A, in the year of our right Lord, we yeah, A.D. Canon 5 of uh, the Council of Nicaea is the first mention of Lent as a season, as 40 days. Um, but as my grade school kids up at All Saints brought up to me, well, the problem they have is, well, when did Lent begin this year? This is a test, by the way. Anyone can answer. What was Ash Wednesday? March March 1st. There we go. Okay. When is Easter this year? April 15th, 16th. April 16th. All right. How many days are there in March? 31. Uh, I don't know. Okay. 31 and 16. So that adds up to 40, huh? No, it doesn't. It adds up to 47. So how is it that we say that Lent is 40 days, but and yet from Ash Wednesday to Easter? Someone made a mistake? Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> okay, thanks for listening, everyone. <laughs> That's it. Now, one of the problems they had, and let's go back to the Council of Nicaea, where they were far more serious than in our own day. And uh, less fun. They, they recognized that, of course, prior to some of these seasons we celebrate, we'll get into Advent uh, a few months from now, perhaps, but uh, they celebrate, Sunday was a celebration. Sunday was always the celebration of the Lord's uh, resurrection. You know, they still early on, and actually they still kept the Sabbath on Saturday, but that was to celebrate, that was a day of rest, uh, because God created the world on the seventh day of the Sabbath. They rested, but on Sunday is the day the Lord rose. And so, of course, you would never fast on the day that you were celebrating the resurrection of the Lord. And so the problem they had is, well, okay, if we go back 40 days from Easter uh, we're going to run into these Sundays, but they can't be fast days because they're little Easter's. And therefore, they saw a need. They had, that's why they ultimately extended back to what we have as Ash Wednesday. So you drop those Sundays, those little Easter's, out of the season. And then, of course, uh, actually Lent only goes till Holy Thursday. Then we enter into the Easter Triduum. So if you've been calculating, uh, if you've been having your pad and adding and subtracting during all of this, yes, the answer is there are 40 days of Lent, 40 days of fast, uh, was the idea in the early church, before we get to the Easter Triduum and then to Easter. Now, but that 40 days, the count starts on the first Sunday of Lent and ends on Holy Thursday. No. There, oh, there are 44 days between No, it Ash starts Wednesday on Ash Wednesday. Ash Wednesday. That's Ash Wednesday. Yeah. Ash Wednesday to Holy Thursday is 44 days. So is someone, so, if on Sunday, for example, so if they decided... Start the count on the first Sunday. Should they, should they have uh, Sundays? Should Sunday be a day of uh, even during Lent of a time? For example, if you've given up desserts, uh, like Father Colin, you probably should give up desserts... Uh, most of the time. Thank you. Yes. But, um, <laughs> you know, a healthy America is a strong America. And uh, do you think that... Would, would but some thin of, people look sickly. Uh, it's great for fundraising. <laughs> uh, do you think that... Uh, do you think that Sunday should be a time, Pat, to give to have a... Some people like to, like to dispense themselves from their Lenten obligations mm-hmm. on Sunday. Uh, I, people are welcome to do that. And if they do that, of course, nothing wrong with that as long as they're still living their penitential spirit throughout the season. I think... The reality is, is that Sunday is called the first Sunday of Lent and the second Sunday of Lent, and so it's oh, a, it's a Lenten day. Mm-hmm. 
so so that's and, that would be a both and both and yeah, yeah it's a we're, both we're and that. yeah what about uh let's talk a little bit about the um the chrismas of the diocese of Spokane. that is an opportunity for the uh faithful to gather in our cathedral to have the oils blessed that are distributed to the parishes throughout our our diocese an opportunity for our people to come together and pray with and for their priests. When I came to the diocese, I changed the format. I modeled it on um, uh, what we did in Goa. That's the Grand Old Archdiocese. and um, Where everything is perfect. No, no, it's challenged. It's challenged. Okay. Uh, it's great to have two of my vicars who I can count on. Um, but um, an opportunity for That's a day in of India, prayer. No, in Goa? In Goa. The priests to gather for prayer. This year we're having Bishop Michael Barber, uh, is the Bishop of the Diocese of Oakland, a Jesuit father, who will come and do the day of prayer, an opportunity for the sacrament of reconciliation. I felt it was important that our priests have this chance to gather in prayer for the sacrament of reconciliation, then to have Mass to to renew their commitment to priesthood uh, on this uh, Mass, and then we, we share a meal together with um, with one another and with our seminarians uh, who study Bishop White, and we invite the religious order uh, men to join us in this very special day. Um, your thoughts on uh, Holy Thursday, the Triduum, um, well, Chrism Mass? Before I move on to that, I just want to say something about the, the Chrism Mass and, and the, that day of prayer for us as priests. Um, uh, so we had never done that before, and I just one uh, anecdote from last year, which is our first year of doing it, is it was very, it was very impressive that we had um, our, our missionaries of mercy appointed by the Holy Father there hearing confessions of priests. And I remember turning around and, and, and looking uh, back toward the confessionals and there were this line of black on both sides of the nave as, as you know, 20, 30, 40 of our priests were lining up to celebrate the sacrament of, of reconciliation. It was, it was uh, humbling and it was inspiring. That's a, a very good point about the importance of the sacrament of reconciliation confession in all of our lives. And I would hope during Lent that part of... Uh, the prayer of penance is that we would we go to confession, and I would really encourage our faithful, all of our people, our religious uh, men and women, uh, our priests, myself and, and our bishop, to to seek the healing power of Christ in this sacrament. People unnecessarily carry around the burdens of sin, and to be told you are forgiven, you are loved. That is the great gift that Christ has given us. So I would hope that the our Catholic faithful in Eastern Washington, um, that together we um, we should have a special at- intention or two during this uh, uh, Lenten season, not only to grow in holiness, but but really to rediscover the power of Christ and the great sacrifice on the on the cross. Um, we, sacrifice is uh, as so essential in our lives, and I was talking to the seminarians. Uh, Bishop White in in a conference about the role that sacrifice and discipline play in our lives, both as priests and as uh, seminarians, and also the faithful. And think of our many uh, married family uh, couples in our diocese and their families, the the discipline and the self-sacrifice. Well, that's also a part of our spirituality. Not that uh, it becomes uh, an undue burden, but rather it calls us to a simplicity of life that allows us to hear the voice of the Good Shepherd, Jesus, our Savior. With this, we will conclude in prayer. Glory be to the Father, and to the, the Son, and, and to the Holy Spirit, Spirit as, as it was, was in the beginning, beginning is, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Amen. Our Lady of Lord, pray, pray for us, us. Live Jesus in our hearts forever. forever. God bless you all, and thank you for spending time with the bishop and his vicars. Thank you. Thank you.